My uh, message today is called The Offering That God Honors. We're going to take a little break from the book of Revelation. We'll pick it up next week. But I want to talk about a very, uh, maybe anointed message that I believe God gave, gave me uh, for today. So I'm going to begin at Genesis 4, verse 1. It says, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. So here we have the beginning of families, the beginning of children in the earth. Adam and Eve began with two children, Cain and Abel, whom they graciously acknowledged as coming from the Lord. A great perspective to keep in mind when we are blessed with life. Genesis 4, verse 2. Then she bore again, this time her brother, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. See, Cain and Abel became the first offspring of mankind. And they are differentiated here by their occupations. One is a shepherd and the other is a farmer. Both are needed and necessary jobs. Would you not agree? Yeah. Thus, both jobs are worthy of equal respect. Genesis 4, verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, while the text doesn't say, it can be inferred that God had at some time prescribed the proper way to bring an offering to him. Otherwise, Cain and Abel would not have even known to bring offerings. And while the Scripture notes that Cain brought his offering to the Lord, as we will see, every time that we bring offerings to the Lord, whether it be our finances, whether it be our service or ministry, whether it be our prayer or our praise, we also bring inner motivations with what we offer. These motivations may be hidden to others, but God knows the precise motivations of our hearts, even if we think we are concealing them. Genesis 4, verse 4. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. So, likewise, we see Abel also brings an offering to the Lord. And again, whether you can see it or not, Abel brings his heart's motivation with the offering. Thus, God looks upon these offerings and the motivations behind them to make His decision on what He will accept, on what He will honor. Seeing Abel and what he gave, the Lord accepted and respected and honored His offering. Genesis 4, verse 5. But God did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Was Cain justified in his anger? Was he right to be angry? Well, at first glance, it seems unfair that God accepted one offering from a shepherd, but rejected the other offering from the farmer. One could rush to judgment reasoning that God favored one occupation over the other, citing favoritism. Of course, this interpretation is misguided and incorrect. Just as all interpretations are misguided and wrong when people try to judge God from their limited human perspective. As we delve into what God expects, what He accepts, and what He honors, 
We must go deeper than a superficial surface interpretation or a reading of it using only our perspective. After all, the greater lesson at hand applies to what we offer God each day in our own Christian walks as we offer prayer, as we offer obedience, as we offer our will and our lives unto God. There are things we must consider when understanding these two offerings. First, Cain brought an offering from the ground, but Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. This means that before Abel took anything for himself, before he worried about meeting his own needs, before he thought, I'm going to take care of myself first and give, he took the firstborn of the fattest and healthiest flock and gave it to the Lord. He gave God the absolute very best offering that he could give, trusting that if he gave God his best, then God would give him his best. And God would take care of Abel and his needs. In other words, Abel's primary motivation was to serve God first. Give his absolute very best offering. And seek to honor the Lord above all things, even above his own comfort. Abel fully believed that it was God who provided all things for him. Who gave him the increase in his flock who blessed his days and took care of all his needs. This is the proper motivation that we should all have when we give. The offering that God honors is the one that finds its origin in our love for God. Period. After all, we know that the greatest gift, the greatest offering ever given, began first with love. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all know that that gift was Jesus. But let us not overlook the reason He was given. God did not make this offering simply because it was required to appease His wrath because of sin. God made this offering because He so loved us. We must see this in all that we offer. Just as Abel modeled this for us from the very start. Thus, a deeper understanding of offerings made unto God, whether in our sustenance or in our service to Him, must take into account our motivation at the heart level. The text also states, that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. It doesn't specify the offering or show that it's special in any way. This lack of intentional planning to give the first fruits and the best possible offering shows that this was a routine offering or something very possibly done more out of obligation than out of love. There is no indication that this offering cost Cain anything. It didn't say it was his first fruits offering or from his best crops or his biggest crops. It just said he brought an offering from the ground to the Lord. When we give of ourselves, of our time and our talents and our resources to the Lord, it should never be routine. 
It should never be, okay, it's that time of week again, I need to go to church. Maybe it was, if I'm honest, when I grew up, my parents dragged me to church. Okay, it's time to go to church. It's the routine. It should never be routine. It should always be an honor to give to God and to love God because He loved us and died for us. It should always be intentional from the motivation of demonstrating our love for God with each opportunity to give, with each opportunity to serve, and with each opportunity to pray or commune with God. Somebody at church is not about seeing people. That's part of the experience. It's not about singing the songs. That's part of the experience. It's about coming to meet God and knowing that He's going to meet you at your need. That He's going to speak something to you. Either through the Spirit or through the Word or through the songs. He's going to meet something, give you something that you need if you come expecting. It should never be routine. After all, God looks at the heart of every giver, not simply the gift. It is the loving motivation of each heart that God desires to multiply in the earth. You see, this is where this false gospel is really wrong today. You've heard of the prosperity gospel. Give to God and God will multiply His finances back to you to make you rich so that you can give more to God and multiply it back to you to make you richer. That's what's going on in many churches today, this prosperity gospel. But they got it wrong. It's not the gift that God multiplies, it's the love behind the gift that God wants to multiply in the earth. That's how people know Jesus. When that love goes out, God loves a cheerful giver. He wants to multiply His love. That's the fruit of the seed that's multiplied. Cain's motivation became more obvious when God responded to his offering. If Cain was truly making an offering to God, his attention would have been on God or himself when his offering was rejected. But since Cain's attention immediately went to Abel, you know the rest of the story, Cain got jealous because Abel was accepted and Cain killed Abel. Because his attention immediately went to Abel, it showed that his motivation was to compare his offering with his brother. This is exactly what a wrong motivation will do. It will get us focused on others, comparing our lives, our blessings, or lack thereof, to others. The fruit of this wrong motivation will manifest in jealousy, envy, anger, judgment, negativity, and murderous thoughts in our hearts. We must always keep our focus on God and seek to purify our motives before, during, and after we have given to Him and His works. Look around you. This church is evidence of people who have given with a pure heart, else it never would have lasted. This church would have phased out many, many years ago. They've not only given to, this, given to this church, they've given to this community and our food pantry and other ministries. We've given to world missions all over the place and God has continued to bless because of the giving hearts of people who gave not just out of compulsion, but out of love, as God has instructed. Abel, on the other hand, didn't just bring an offering. He brought the firstborn of the healthiest part of his flock. His motivation was not done out of obligation, but rather out of love. Thus, God set this biblical law in motion as He emphasized throughout time now, 
first fruit offerings. In fact, throughout the law, God commanded offerings and sacrifices to be made of the first fruits. In other words, before you consider yourself, before you think what you need or what I have to do to take care of myself, before that's even a thought, you take what you have and say, I know it's from God to begin with, so I'm going to give to God first. Then I know that God will take care of me. Honor Him first. This is putting your money or your faith where your mouth is. An offering of first fruits given in faith, trusting the Lord to provide as you give Him your best, is an offering that the Lord honors. There are many themes and references to both first fruits and even firstborn in the Bible. Exodus 13, verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel both of man and beast. It is mine. See, the people of Israel were commanded to consecrate their firstborn to God, setting them apart from the world and dedicating them to God's service. Not saying, oh, I can't wait till I have a boy because he's going to grow up and he's going to be a strong farmer. He's going to run our family business. No, they were commanded with that firstborn to give that to God, to the service of God. Throughout the law, we see also that first fruits were emphasized as well. Exodus 34, verse 26. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. It's easy to look at this from man's perspective to think that this was just another very particular part of the law that God commanded to teach obedience. But it was much more than that. Whether it be the firstborn or the first fruits that are offered to God, He intends us to give to Him first, which declares who we trust the most, who we prioritize in our lives, and who we choose to worship regardless of our needs or our desires. This teaching of God and of giving God our first fruits is seen when we begin the day in prayer. And we begin, even our prayer, we begin by thanking God and praising God and thank you just for the honor to come into your presence. You know, I know that our women's group has been studying the book of Esther and they talked about just the... Esther had to go in front of the king. It was, it was, it was forbidden at that time. We need to understand the respect and awe and honor just to come into God's presence. Now, He invites us in, but... Not if we just do it as a routine. Every time we go into God's presence, it's an honor to be in His presence. We need to keep that in mind when we ask Him for blessings. That we're coming into His presence. Thank you, God. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for all you've done. Our first goal should not be what we need. It should be to honor and love our God. Giving God our first fruits can also be seen in our service to others in ministry. We are commanded in the Bible to serve others in love, not choosing to base our service on whether or not it's convenient for us or whether we can fit it into our busy schedule. You know, I'd like to serve, but my schedule's all booked up. Or whether we feel comfortable doing it or not. You know, I'd like to, but I'm not really comfortable. Sometimes God asks us to serve knowing that we're not comfortable. 
He's looking for obedience. And he's basically saying, as you step out, I'm going to equip you. But if you only look at yourself and only trust yourself, you will never step out to go to be pushed to that next level. Because you will judge yourself based on your perspective. When God called Moses, he wasn't ready to lead his people out of Egypt. If you remember the story, Moses said, I stutter, I can't use my words, I can't do it. Many times God calls us, and when he calls us, he sees us where we are when we stepped out, not where we are when we begin. So when it's about serving or serving our body, that's how this church functions. That's what we're talking about today. Is our new leaders coming in and our leaders who are continuing to serve. It's not always about if you're comfortable or if it fits in your schedule. It's about, God, I trust you that you're going to equip me when I step out to serve your body. On the contrary, if we truly trust God, calling ourselves authentic followers of Jesus and seeking to honor Him with our first fruits, it doesn't matter if we are talking about our prayer life or our worship time or our service to others or our financial giving to the things of God. We will give, God, give to God first if we truly love Him. This is how the body of Christ was intended to function. The church was not ever meant to be just another organization on the earth where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. God has called us to be His body, not His building. Which means we all have a role to fill. And if everyone doesn't step up and fulfill a role in a local body, then the body gets out of balance. When this happens, some parts of the body end up carrying more weight than they were intended to carry to make up for the parts that aren't carrying their weight. Or they're not serving or not praying or not obeying God in service and in giving. As you all know, when your ankle is sprained, you begin to walk with a limp trying to favor that ankle. And what happens is your other leg takes on more of that weight. And if you walk with a limp long enough, you realize that your hips start to hurt. And your knees hurt. And your back hurts. And your shoulders hurt. And your head hurts. Right? We've all done it before. It's because part of our body is carrying the weight that it wasn't meant to carry. Now, we know that all happens for a time. There's always time in the body when we have to bear the weight of others. We have to bear each other's burdens. But when it's done out of intention that I don't want to serve because it doesn't fit my schedule, or I'm going to take care of my needs first and give God the leftovers, then other people in the body have to bear the weight, and a body can get out of balance. God has called us by His grace to be His body. What an amazing honor. We are the body of Christ. It's an amazing honor that Christians walk into when they say, I choose to follow Jesus with my life. This is why this message is so important today. God asks all of us to give our first fruits, both in our service and in our prayer life and in our giving, so that He can accomplish His will. The goal for all Christians is that we... The goal is that we all tithe to the work of the Lord. Given a tenth of our income to the Lord's work so that His work can be done through the local church and through missions around the world. Here's the biblical basis. One of the biblical basis for it. Malachi 3, verse 10. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, 
that there will not be room enough to receive it. God promises His people who give of their tithes and other offerings that if they faithfully give unto Him first, not out of obligation, but out of love, trusting Him with their giving, that as I give to God, God's going to take care of me, then He will indeed bless their lives in many ways. Now, this blessing may come in the form of building your faith. It may come in granting you peace or direction or healing. The blessing may come to you in having a greater revelation of who God is and in whom He has called you to be. But regardless of the blessing, God commands us to give to Him first, trusting that He will take care of our every need if we give to Him in love. Now, I know whenever I talk about tithing, people have this certain thought. Maybe it's entering into your mind. Or maybe you've heard this before. People say that they don't believe in tithing because it's in the Old Testament. It's in the law. It's in numerous places through Old Testament teaching. We're under the New Testament now. So when that happens, my response is simply this. You are right. Tithing is in the Old Testament. So if you want to follow the New Testament instead, and the New Testament way of giving, you're certainly entitled to do that instead. So what's the New Testament way of giving? Let me remind you, it's in Acts chapter 2 when they started the church. It says, Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. They literally sold all they had, divided their goods and their profits among all Christian brothers and Christian sisters, and gave to anyone among them who had any need. What do you think is easier? To give your tithes or to sell everything you have and share it with everyone else? Your choice. Bottom line, we are called to give and that, op, that motivation to give should be out of love to God, to the works of God, to the spreading of the Gospel of Jesus in this world. That's why we can continue to function as a church, as the body of Christ. Thus, let it be our goal. If you're not there yet, God, help me to get to a place where I can give that tithe. Help me to trust You to begin giving first. Help me to give me the discernment to, and, and the control to give first and, and, and to be disciplined in my spending. And I believe that if I give to you, God, that you're going to take care of my needs. Knowing that there is a blessing in giving tithes, as Malachi says. And there is also a blessing in giving other offerings as he commands. There's times when we talk about our missionaries that we support. And sometimes for some of you, God moves in your heart and says, you know, this one really connects with me. This mission, this missionary, this part of the world, these people really connect with me. So on top of my regular giving to the church, I also want to start giving monthly to this missionary. Or I want to give a one-time gift. There are many people in the church that do that and praise God. So we have our tithes and our offerings. That's how churches and missions can continue to function. That's how we're able to meet the needs of one another. To bless people in ministries right here in our community. Like the Lions Den and Promise FM and Roscommon Jail Ministries, to fund mission outreaches around the world, to spread the Gospel to all who need to hear the life-saving truths therein. As each of us seeks to honor God with our first fruits, we build our faith. Trust in Him. 
and we grow closer to Him as we learn to lean on Him for all that we need. It's because of this faith that we learn to go to Him first with every challenge. You see, as I give to God in my, in my finances and God comes back to me and takes care of my needs, I go closer to God so that when I have a challenge, I can go to God first instead of going to social media or instead of going to complain to someone else. I can go to first. I've established this pattern. You know when you kind of walk through the woods and that you get that pattern that's already in the woods? That, that worn down trail? We have this worn down trail that we always know to go to God first. Whether it be in our giving, whether it be in our praises, whether it be in our challenges, but we always go to God first because we've learned to give God our first fruits of our offerings. It's because of this faith that we go to God first with every praise, with every need. Thus the offering that the Lord honors is one that gives to God first because of our great love for God, our Heavenly Father. In all we do, He desires that we understand the power and the truth of our first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15.20 Here it comes full, full circle. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus was the seed that was sown into the ground faithfully. He died for our sins. As God willingly offered this sacrifice to the world that He so loved. And in doing so, Jesus rose from the dead, becoming the first fruits for all of us. When we choose to place our trust and faith in Him, we become the harvest of those first fruits of Jesus Christ. Heaven and eternity open for us. Therefore, let us seek a godly motivation in all we do. How do we do that? It's simple. Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. As you reflect on this message and what we are called to do, I also want to tell you a big thank you for all of your giving, for all the things that you've given so that the church can be here, so that we can be here, Nancy and myself, so that we can continue to fund missionaries around the world and we can be a positive source in this community for Jesus. I want to say thank you.